your whole brand and your whole mission, you're talking about uh, a lot of it is uh, boss in heels, right? Uh, helping women. Uh, what about the dudes? What about the guys? Because I think yeah, all that- of your content can apply, but is there anything specific? Yeah, that is a misnomer. So boss in heels is really for me, I grew up poor and all of the bosses were men in blue pantsuits, right? So there, it was kind of this foregone concept that I'm not going to be a boss. Well, I ended up being a boss and I was a boss in heels. And when I was young, there weren't bosses in heels. So my point is, it's not about me helping women. It's about me shining a light on, be a boss with purple hair and flip-flops. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a boss no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter your gender. That's irrelevant. That's society telling you the way things should be. And it's on you to say, I'm going to raise my hand and do it anyways. Welcome to the Rockstars Rocking Podcast, powered by Voluntary Disruption, a show dedicated to people who are crushing their business and life goals. These are bite-sized conversations with leading rock stars in their respective industry who are pumped to share their story to help drive you to the next level. So, are you ready to rock? Speaking of rock stars, here's your host, Eric Silverman. Hey, rock stars! Welcome back to another episode of Rock Stars Rockin', where I only have the best, most influential rock stars of all rock stars, and this week is no exception. Everybody, welcome to the show this week, my friend Heather Monahan out of the South Florida, Miami area, to be specific. Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Man, I got so many things I want to go over today. Uh, So I'm going to dive right in. But before I do that, uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Heather, and I can't imagine there's anybody who's not familiar with you, Heather. Um, Heather is a top 40 female keynote speaker, uh, a best-selling author, uh, soon to be two-time best-selling author. We're gonna get to that. Uh, top 100 business podcasts uh, as well. Uh, a TED speak, a TED talk speaker. Uh, she's even a faculty member at Harvard. I mean, come on, if there's, if there's something out there uh, that can be done, she's already in the process of doing it or has already crushed it. Uh, just to give you a little insight on her podcast, she's had guests like like Sarah Blakely, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ryan Serhant. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. And she's also been featured in USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company. Um, should I say more? I'm gonna let Heather no, say more. And boring. we're gonna, there you go. And we're gonna, we're gonna get going. So Heather, look, you talk about in your best-selling book, I have it right here for those watching the video, I'm holding it up, or for those listening on audio, I'm holding it up. Uh, Confidence Creator, uh, her first book, self-published, mind you. Her second book uh, is not self-published. We're going to talk about that uh, as well. But Heather, you talk about creating confidence. You talk about... Um, Basically, what I would say, owning the stage, or as my good friend growing up, Sarah Lewis, would say, she would snap her fingers in a Z pattern, and she'd be like, own it, right? Um, So you started in sales. You started in wine sales, and you progressed into broadcasting and ad sales, and you became the chief revenue officer at this huge company. You're an author. You've done all these things. But where did that start? Like, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go into sales, specifically wine sales, um, being that somebody like yourself who's talking about you didn't have the confidence. Can you walk us through that idea of, hey, I'm going to try sales? 
Yeah, you know, I grew up poor. My mom was a single mother with four kids. She worked three jobs, right? We didn't see her very much. And I just knew that we had it really hard and I didn't want to have it hard. I didn't know what that would look like, but I just thought I want to make a lot of money, right? From a very young age, I thought about this, which is crazy. Um, but I was 10 years old when I had my first uh, paper route. Then I started busing tables at diners, working at fast food restaurants. Then I started waitressing and then I started bartending. And so this whole, you know, from 10 till whatever, 20 years old, I was ultimately building up sales skills and refining my sales process, right? I was getting repeat customers. I was upselling customers. I was learning customer satisfaction. I was learning reviews of my work, right? All of this time that everyone else in the world would see, oh, Heather just is a hard worker. I was really kind of honing into my sales talent. And I'll never forget, I was bartending right when I was going to graduate college. And I said to one of my clients who had a beautiful car, you know, very wealthy, hey, what do you do for a living? I got to figure out what I'm going to do to make money. And he said, oh, you should totally get into sales. I'm in sales. Why don't you come to work for our company? And I said, okay. And I did. And it was literally that strategic, right? I just said, hey, you've got a great car. I want to get a great car. So I went uh, to work for the Gallo Winery. And it turns out they have this phenomenal sales development sales program for especially for younger um, people who are new to sales. So I got into this great program and really, you know, honed in on what some better strategies were around selling and my sales approach. And, and then I got sexually harassed and I had zero confidence back then. So I just quit my job to escape the awful situation. And I ended up landing in the radio business. Um, you know, again, not strategically, I kind of fell into it. And from there, I became an equity partner at a very young age. And then from there, I went to a publicly traded company and I got promoted multiple times and, and ended up as a chief revenue officer in media. Wow. 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 So let me get this straight. Restaurants, fast food, bartending, uh, all created that ability for you to, to learn sales and to learn um, techniques and tools that you can use then. And certainly te uh, techniques and tools that you can use now. Um, you just threw me for a loop because I certainly didn't know that one part. So if you shared it in other places, uh, forgive me, but I'm going to have to, I have to skip directly to uh, your powerful Ted talk based on what you just said. And what, what I mean by that is you said you were sexually harassed. Well, when I saw the title of your TED Talk, like most people, the first thing I thought of, uh, and for those that don't know, she has a TED Talk from, I believe it's late 2019. Um, yes. it, you can't miss it, just Google it. It's right on YouTube. And the name of it is Me Too Misstep or Me Too Mistake. Uh, I hope I got that right. And um, uh, I'll let you kind of explain a little bit, but it's not what you're thinking. Uh, for those of you that are thinking the, the hashtag me too, it's not what you're thinking. Can you uh, give everybody a little um, insight onto your talk? Yeah, well, to elaborate, it, it really is about the me too movement because for me, you know, something I haven't disclosed yet um, since we've been speaking is that at the end of my career in corporate America, I ended up being bullied so atrociously by another woman. It was horrible. I threw my back out. I was losing my hair. I ended up getting fired by this woman, right? I mean, she was horrible to me. And, and the funny thing is, it's not funny, haha, -ha, but it's ironic, I guess, is that throughout my career, I was sexually harassed one time so badly I quit the job, right? Oh no. Even that was not as bad as what this woman did to me. And, and for me, 
I think the Me Too movement's great. Anyone that's, you know, harassing people and treating people badly should be called out. However, I feel personally that the Me Too movement stopped way too short. They didn't include the most evil villain any woman will ever meet in corporate America. And that, unfortunately, is another woman. And, and that's what I meant. I know you know that for those listening. Uh, when I said uh, I first saw the title Me Too, I'm thinking all about the Me Too movement, sexual harassment, etc. And what what I love about your talk is you you flip it on it, excuse my language, you flip it on its ass immediately when you start. I don't want to spoil it here. But the reality is you start talking about how the the most evil villain, um, it could certainly be a guy or whomever sexually harassed by all means, I understand. But in your specific talk, you speak about how you had a boss and that boss was the biggest villain of them all. Um, and it was just like you said, bullying, harassment, etc. And I have so many friends and colleagues, uh, and family members who have experience the same thing. So I like how you shed light on that. Um, my, my biggest um, um, takeaway from your talk um, was really toward the end as you talked about, um, you know, uh, having a green light, uh, your fear was bringing you to the green light to just move faster. Um, can you maybe shed some light on that and what you specifically meant your green light to move faster? Yeah, I, I talk about specifically in that talk about how I had been in media for 20 something years. I had hit this low moment. I'm getting bullied every day at work. I hate going to work, but I feel I have golden handcuffs and I can't leave. I'm a single mom and how will I pay my bills? And I felt I was really stuck in a bad situation. And I know a lot of people can relate to that, but you know, here's the thing. What that was, was fear, fear of the unknown, fear of making the leap. That's how I should have reframed it back then, but I didn't have the knowledge or visibility to do that at the, that point in time. One of the things that I did when I was at this really dark moment before I got fired is I thought to myself, I've got a, I'm showing up as a B-rate version of myself. You know, this is not working for me. I've got to start stepping back into my power and rebuild myself again to become that confident version of myself. I have been at points in my life, right? Um, but for whatever reason, I had now allowed a bully to completely dismantle it. And so I thought, hey, I'm in media. I run successful campaigns for millions of clients. Why don't I run a campaign for myself? So I decided to run my own ad campaign, which I know what works in advertising. I've been you know, doing it for 20 something years. So you know, there's a number of different things you need to do to have a successful campaign. Number one, you have to run it with frequency. You have to do it multiple times a day if you want to actually have an impact on someone's subconscious. I'm trying to impact my own subconscious. So I decided seven times a day, I'm going to run the same messaging to myself to really get myself to process it and believe it. I decided that um, my call to action would be fear is a green light that means go and go faster. And anytime I would sense fear, it would be a cue for me to take action and step into it. I put a song or a jingle with um, my ad campaign for myself, which was Kendrick Lamar's I Love Myself, because it helps you remember things and elicits emotion. And then you have to, you should pair um, an audio campaign with a visual campaign that's much more successful and productive. So I paired that with a life-size cutout that I have myself looking super confident. And I would visualize myself being this really confident version of myself again. And I would do this seven times a day. And I did this for almost a month. And it really started working, right? You curate the messaging that you're giving yourself and feeding yourself. You, you're really priming your brain for what you want to happen. So I became this more pow powerful version of myself. 
And I started pushing back on this woman that, you know, I'm basically saying, you're not going to ignore me anymore. You're not going to treat me like a second class citizen. I'm a chief revenue officer to serve this company. And I'm going to show up and start acting like it and commanding respect. Now I got fired right thereafter. Right. So she really definitely hated it. However, that started me down a path, which has been, I mean, the last few years out of my own has been super hard. Thank you, pandemic. But it's also been incredibly meaningful and this amazing learning lesson in life to, you know, kind of see what your true calling is and what, what you're supposed to be doing. Just because you're good at driving sales teams and driving revenue for publicly traded companies doesn't mean that's all you're good at. Maybe you're a great keynote speaker, maybe you're a great author, but you don't know until you try. And for years I had been held back by fear and finally I had been pushed or thrust into it. So, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's more detail, uh, from the Ted talk, everybody, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, Google, uh, Heather Monahan Ted talk, it'll pop right up. It's literally the it's first only thing. 10 minutes and it's so good. I was going to say it's only 10 minutes and that's like the opening 10 seconds where they don't give you that 10 seconds. So it's less than, it's less than you think, even when you see the, the timestamp. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, was the, topic of your TED talk simply timely because of the era that we were living in at the moment, which you just said that it was um, cut short, which I don't disagree, uh, being a, a husband to a wife uh, and uh, a proud father of a young daughter who's going on 17. She's only 12 now. Um, and uh, But was it timely or was that something that you might have picked anyway? No. So I didn't pick that. I, I mean, it's ballsy to give this talk, right? It's really, not only is a topic controversial, but it's also calling it a person out in real life, right? It, on TED Talk, right? So it was, I didn't want to give that talk. No, the talk I wanted to give was, the, first of all, the theme of the event was called Rethinking Relationships. And your job, if you want to give a, a TEDx or a TED, you need to come up with a big idea that's relevant and timely to the theme that they have, right? So I had pitched myself for hundreds of talks and I kept getting told no. So I finally meet someone on the inside willing to help me. My big idea was rethink the relationships between grades and, and success, future success. Meaning I had been like an average student. And so my whole concept was C, C student to the C suite this whole concept that you don't have to be a straight A student to, to make it to the top of corporate America. You can be an average student. And maybe when you are an average student, you refine other skill sets and, and hone into different talents. And those are the things that actually make you successful, not great. That was my talk. So I wrote this talk. I was super private. I still should give that talk. It's a great talk, right? And it's true. It's, it's a great idea and concept and it's true in my life. So they accepted me with that talk. And then about two months later, uh, I got an email and it said, we've been talking and we just think that you need to dig deeper. You're not digging deep enough. There is a better talk within you. Please wow. dig deeper. And so I kind of was pushed into, hey, there's something more. And, and I'm glad that they pushed me, right? Because they pushed me beyond my limits. And what I, I didn't feel comfortable giving that talk that I ended up giving, but I'm glad that they pushed me to go deeper and find it. That's awesome. And I got to imagine that's what you do with your uh, coaching clients. Uh, for those that don't know, Heather um, has one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching available. She also um, has uh, online coaching courses. Um, maybe you can talk about that because I can't imagine a coach that doesn't push their students. 
Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I, I didn't know anything about coaching until the pandemic hit and I had to find a new way to generate revenue, you know, during um, COVID. So that's when I launched my coaching program, which is essentially just like when you're a VP of sales or chief revenue officer, you're meeting with your teams, developing your teams and working through solu- you know, to, solutions to achieve goals. So that's basically what I've been doing in my consulting and coaching. And yeah, a lot of it is definitely holding people accountable because so often people have lofty goals, but they're not really committed to hold themselves accountable to take the action steps to deliver on it. So, um, man, I completely agree. That's why I personally spend ridiculous, most people would say ridiculous amounts of money on uh, various mastermind groups that I'm a part of and uh, coaches that I've hired over the past and still have today. I'm a big proponent of that. Um, you have to invest in yourself. So uh, for anybody listening, I mean, my, my goodness, I know Heather would say the same. Um, invest in yourself uh, with some coaching. Uh, maybe start with a mastermind group of some sort. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, or maybe, I don't know, Heather, do you run a mastermind group yet? If not, when's that happening? You know, one of the, inter- I don't, first of all, um, I have a, a women's group coaching program that I do once a week on Fridays, but here's the thing. This is the challenge for someone in a situation like mine. I was only a new rookie entrepreneur when the pandemic hit. So for me, forecasting out, right. My speaking business is definitely my number one revenue driver. And that's my passion. That's what I was born to do without a doubt. So when you know that you don't want to commit yourself, you don't want to overcommit yourself to too many coaching clients, consulting clients, masterminds, and suddenly find out that speaking business is back full force and you can't actually accept the business that you should be, right? Because you weren't able to forecast um, accurately. So I'm really trying to adjust how much I commit to right now around these um, individual things because the speaking business does appear to be picking back up and, and looking a lot healthier now, thank goodness. Well, yes, thank goodness. And um, uh, what a time for you to launch the uh, launch into the entrepreneurial world, right? Um, oh. But you know, it's it's interesting, because I, I seem to remember seeing your for those that don't realize, or I'm sure everybody knows, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Heather's super social on uh, all things social media. Um, I first discovered um, Heather on LinkedIn, uh, but she's uh, huge on Instagram and many other channels. Um, but what I remember, I think I remember you writing or having a video of was how you had no real plans to write a book, your first book. And uh, somebody asked you, uh, uh, can you tell that story? I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. So one of the first things I did after I got fired is I went under a weighted blanket, right? I was a disaster. But within about a day, I realized nobody was calling me. What is going on? How could I be in one industry for so long and have such a big name and no one's calling? And I realized, oh, this lady doesn't want to let anyone know she fired me. She's trying to brush it under a rug. I was not about to let that happen. So I posted on social media. I've just been fired. If I've ever helped you, I need to hear from you today. That post went viral. And because a lot of people thought, oh, fired, that's shameful. You shouldn't advertise that. I decided to reframe and I see getting fired as in good company. Steve Jobs was fired. Oprah was fired. JK Rowling, right? There's all of these super successful people who have been fired. So I decided to see it as, wow, my career is really starting to take off. I've been fired. And so while I kept that post up, Froggy- it's a badge of honor. Up, it, for sure. I'm, I'm happy it happened. 
So I got a message from Froggy from the Elvis Duran show and which Elvis Duran has one of the largest US radio programs. And he said, if I can ever be of help, just let me know. And I tweeted back, get me on the show. And I didn't know why I wanted to be on the show other than I knew I needed help from more people. I needed to reach more people in order to create more opportunity. And if I could leverage an audience like his with millions of people listening, something good might come from it. So, and it did. So I flew to New York, I went on the show and halfway through the show, Elvis Duran looked at me and said, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't. And I replied, well, obviously I am. And it was like <laughs> in that moment, he had just, he was so confident that I was writing a book. He had so much conviction that I needed to write that book that he passed his confidence and conviction to me. And I jumped on a plane and I Googled, how do you write a book? And the rest is history. Wow, wow. So uh, that's the story I remember. I'm glad I didn't tell it and I'll let you do it. Um, I love how you went online and, uh, and, and in a proud way, you, you kind of, you know, stereotypically, I mean, in a good way, you beat your chest and you said, this is what happened to me, right? I got fired um, and uh, I could use some help. And um, that is literally uh, part seven of your book, right? Your, your, your current book, not the new one coming out. But uh, for everybody that doesn't have it yet, go get Confidence Creator on Amazon. It's a bestseller. And it's broken up into seven parts, confidence, perception, adversity, fear, finding your voice, taking action. And the last part, asking for help. So it sounds like you are taking it right out of your own playbook, which is exactly what you should do. I see a lot of, I, I've personally seen a lot of people who don't follow their own advice. You're following your own advice, asking for help. Yeah, but I'll tell you, listen, when times get tough, following your own advice can be tough, but I try to be super disciplined about um, following my own advice, meaning sometimes I reread my own book, right? Sometimes I put a post up, it's for me, it's not for anybody else. It's for me to remember, you can do hard things, Heather, right? You, you've had challenges before. I also keep out um, right on my table in front of me. When I first got fired, I created a 30-day grid and I crossed the days off and I would write down what I was grateful for and what I didn't know was going to happen, what unexpected things showed up into my life. And it's so cool because when you look at this grid on day one, it says, I'm miserable. I can't take the anxiety. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you fast forward seven days, I land on the Elvis Duran show. If you fast forward seven days from it, right, all these amazing things start showing up that I didn't know on day one were going to happen. So when I go through a tough time, right, which happens all the time to all of us, I stop and I look at that grid and I remember, oh yeah, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. And it could be freaking life-changing and magical. So that's why I need to stay hopeful. That's why I need to be optimistic. And that's why I need to show up. Oh man. Well, you know, it, the, the, the reality is you're showing up for yourself, which I know you talk about all the time. I love how you just said, you know, the post isn't for anybody uh, a lot of times, but, uh, but yourself, it, it means something to you, which I think a lot of people, uh, I don't know if you'd agree, they overanalyze what they post on social media. Um, and they're, they're trying to post for what they think their prospects or audience or clients would want to see as opposed to posting for themselves. Um, and you and you talk about that. Is there anything um, you can give advice wise for folks that are struggling to build their voice and and, and build their their own confidence, for lack yeah. of a better word, on social media? Done will always be better than perfect, right? And data doesn't lie. And if you rely on those two statements, done is better than perfect, and data doesn't lie, you will end up successful with your post. Here's what I mean: 
you have to have some type of a tool that's going to give you metrics and insights so that you know what's working, what's not working. And I don't care if you have 10 followers or 10 million, you can use the same strategy. But what you want to start doing is putting things out there and saying, wow, this did you know resonate with my audience really well. Wow, this didn't. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to pay attention to what's working and what isn't working. I'm constantly putting posts out there that I don't think strategically about. And I just want to test the marketplace. I want to see, will this get a different response? I want to see how, who will this resonate with and, and, and maybe who, who will it not? And what I've noticed is that the communities are changing drastically because of what's happening in our world. Meaning, you know, over the past year, I've done a lot of posting around kindness and be kind to those because you don't know if they're struggling and you don't know what's happening to people. Those posts have been killing it. However, had I done that in 2019, they wouldn't have done as well, right? So it really, there's some things that you're not going to know until you try. And that's what innovation and creativity is all about. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, before we move on, I want to talk about your new book, but I got to talk about, I need everybody to hear this um, incredible story, uh, which I've heard you share before. And it's right in the beginning of your book, uh, your uh, confidence creator book. Um, and that is uh, something, that, a quick conversation you have with your son. I don't know how old he was at the time, uh, but you know, if, if I'm your son, I simply said, mom, can, I, can, can you write on my shoes or can I write on my shoes? And can you tell us that story? Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I think he was nine when that happened, but I was working in corporate America at the time. We were late for school, like, the, you know, like we are every morning trying to get him out of the house to school and it's complete frenzy. And it, I get so frustrated that he waits till morning to ask me to do things. Why couldn't we get ahead of this last night? You know, that's my life is spent saying that to him. Why couldn't we have this conversation yesterday when we we're sitting on the couch watching TV for an hour? You're killing me, kid. So it was one of those mornings and he just, came out of his room da, 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 with a, you know, a sneaker in his hand. He had a basketball game that night and a Sharpie. And he said, can you write on my shoes? And I was so frustrated. I said, why, what am I writing? What are you talking about? And he said, you're gonna write, you can do all things. And boom, it just hit me in that moment that, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And I said, where is this coming from? What, what is going on right now? And he explains to me, mom, tonight when I hit the court, I might walk out there feeling super proud of myself, super optimistic and super confident in my skills. He said, but by halftime, if I'm not playing well, I can get down on myself and I have to be able to pick myself back up and get myself in that right mental state. He said, so what I'll do is you'll write this note on my shoe with a Sharpie. I'll look down on my shoe and remember who I really am and what I'm capable of. And you, my friend, I believe now have sayings on your high heels. Is that accurate? Yeah. So he taught me that idea that day. So I ripped a page out of his playbook and I was going into a really big charity event that I was the keynote speaker for. And I had never shared that I had grown up poor before. And I decided I was going to do it that day on stage, which can be really emotional, overwhelming, scary, right? I didn't know how I was actually going to be. I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know if I would actually go through with it. And so I wrote on the bottom of my shoes, I can on the left one and I will on the right one. And as I was getting ready to go up, I did what my son taught me, right? I, I reminded myself, oh no, I can and I will do this. And that's my commitment to me and I'm not backing out. And I got up on that stage and I did it. And I shared, you know, my, my story and my challenges. And I got a little emotional, but I was able to complete the speech, which I was really proud of. And I also showed the notes on my shoes. And it was so funny. I, I received hundreds of emails the next day of all these women putting notes on the bottom of their high heels too. Oh man, do, boy, do I love that. Do you still do that? 
Oh, a hundred percent. And people will say to me, you know, oh, well now you've given a Ted talk, you've done this. You don't get scared anymore. That's not true. I'm constantly pushing myself to a new level. And every time you step into something new, you step into fear again, you step into uncertainty. So yeah, if you want to keep growing, you need to keep reminding yourself what you're capable of. So let's talk about the new book. Uh, the name of the book is Overcome Your Villains, right? Um, for those that are not watching the video, uh, she's got a, a big old poster right behind her, Overcome Your Villains. Uh, I assume that's the book cover. Um, that's the book cover. So um, it, there you go. Fantastic. So that is set to drop, I hear, on November 9th, 2021. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? Because to me, after watching and listening to your TED Talk, it sounds like a, an extension of your TED Talk. It literally sounds like you you stopped the 10-minute TED Talk and wrote a book. So it's interesting. Here's the way I create content is around what people ask me for, right? Because if people are asking me for it and I give them what they want, it's going to resonate and it's going to work. And so that's one of the ways I create content on social media, my podcast, and in my books um, and my talks. So People constantly ask me what really happened the day you got fired, like pull back the curtain and tell us the true story, right? And then how did you get to where you are today from that day of of getting fired? Everyone wants to know the behind the scenes, like what does that look like? How do you get through being completely scared and petrified to finding new success? How do you become a first-time author? How do you become a first-time TED speaker? How does this stuff happen, right? That's what I'm asked all the time about. So my book is ultimately, it's the powerful and proven three-step process to overcome any adversity in your life, professional or business. Facts, facts, and facts. And what I realized is I had been deploying this strategy throughout my life without clarity and intention. I was doing it by habit. I had created this repeatable process years ago, but I, I wasn't aware I was doing it. And sitting down to write this book was really when I took the time to be thoughtful to say, how is it that I keep overcoming these adversities? And it hit me. It's a a three-step process I've been using my, basically my whole life that anybody can use in any situation. And it's funny because when you and I were talking, my son was at camp and he broke his arm about a week ago or two weeks ago. And when that happened, I went into a tailspin. I was not thinking clearly. I really lost it. And I had to say, pump the brakes, three-step process. Number one, in, in its beliefs, actions, and knowledge, it's, I call it my back process. Number one, deconstruct the belief and get to the truth. And that was where I was really stuck as I had created the story that my son's dying in a hospital somewhere and, and that belief wasn't true, right? I didn't have enough information. So I couldn't run with a story that had no fact behind it. All I knew at this point was he had a possible broken arm. And so I had to stop telling myself a story that wasn't true. Next, I need to take action, immediate action. That's when I started calling the school. I started emailing the school. I went wild with action and I finally got a phone call back, which gave me the information I was looking for. Next, I need to access knowledge that will support me in the situation. I called my girlfriend who has a child that had broken an arm recently. And I said, talk me through the process. I can't be there with my son, but I'd like to understand what's happening. And as she talked me through it, it wasn't as scary as what I thought it was gonna be. So that's just like a small example of how this process is proven. It's repeatable. It works every time, all the time. Well said. Well said. Well, I'm excited to uh, 
to to read it quite frankly um and i hear you even have some bonus content available for folks that it uh that would get access to it exclusively uh when they pre-order again it's supposed to drop on tuesday november 9th so go pre-order it now and hopefully get this bonus content that heather's going to tell us about well sales is my jam right so when harper collins told me heather you need to sell seven thousand copies of your book on pre-order so basically they're telling me this, Heather, sell 7,000 copies of something people can't have yet. So the first thing <laughs> that my mind goes to is if I'm asking someone to do something and I can't deliver it to them yet, I have to over deliver in another way, right? I have to give them more than I'm asking them for on the spot. I can't give them the book yet, but here's what I can give them. I can give them my $299 confidence video course. I can give them my new Overcome Your Villains workbook so you can get started on it immediately. I can give them my 30-day accountability program to help them focus on achieving their goals. I can give them the first chapter of the book before anyone else gets to read it, right? I put all of these different things together and all you do is go to the website, overcomeyourvillains.com. You enter your order number and immediately you get this over $400 worth of bonus opportunity because I'm grateful for you pre-ordering now. So to be clear how we get it, they can get it on Amazon and then upload their order number to your website? Oh, you can get it anywhere and everywhere books are sold. Books and millions. Perfect. You can get it books and books. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. It is everywhere. It's so Perfect. crazy. It's on so many different websites. Perfect. Uh, a little bit different than self-publishing uh, confidence creator, right? Well, it's funny, we talk about sales and one of the pain points for me around my first book was I had very limited distribution. The biggest difference and reason why to go with a traditional publishing house is not only do you get the expertise of the team behind you, so you're no longer a rookie, but now you have massive distribution points. So I'm pretty excited about it. So are we going to um, implement any type of uh, book design packaging or gifting strategy uh, a la our good friend John Rulin? Well, I mean, of course, that was what you taught me about just very recently. And of course, I'm all in on how can we create the upgrade and the upsell on Overcome Your Villains? Absolutely. Yes, uh, I, I look forward to that. That'll be incredible. Um, so listen, I wanted to... Um, I've never seen this before. Maybe it's just me, but I've never seen it. When I was on your website, and I totally understand why, but uh, you have a section on the homepage of your website that says things I love. Um, and it's like uh, products, Lulimon, Nike, um, you name it. It's like everything um, uh, for that I guess you, that you buy, that you are into, that you put on your skin, that, you, that you're about. Um, I got to imagine that stemmed from a, a million women asking you, where'd you get that dress? Where do you, what do you use when you go work out? What do you put on your face? Am I right or wrong here? Because my wife would probably say I'm right. I hope I'm right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I also, I, I cued you in for this one or clued you in for this one in that I said earlier, I create content around what people ask me for, right? So Eric, you're spot on. I get asked a lot about how do you keep your skin looking good? Who, you know, who's your favorite designer? Where did you find those shoes? You know, so I just decided create a space that if people want that information, they're going to be able to access it when they need it. It's right there on your website. I tell you what, <laughs> you've got great taste. I'll give you that. Um, a lot of my favorites, a lot of my wife's favorites for sure. Uh, I'm sure will be my daughter's favorites at some point. Um, and you even have another, uh, you have a book on there, a fellow author, uh, Jen uh, Sincero. Um, you are a badass. Tell me why you love that book so much because I've never seen it, but I want to read it. 
I read that book years ago and I'll tell you, it definitely, there's books that you'll read that have a lasting impact on you that you just don't forget. And that one, it was really powerful. And I was, you know, I walked away from it saying I can do more. Now at that point in my life, I didn't make a leap to go do more, but I opened my mind to the possibility because of that book. I think that book is one of the reasons why, you know, I've been able to do what I've done over the past few years. That planted a seed for me a long time ago. That's awesome. Have you had the opportunity to uh, meet her? No, you and you know, her? now that we're talking about it, I should probably have her on my podcast and I hadn't even thought about it until you just brought that up. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no doubt. She'd be a great guest if she, if she was that inspirational to you. Um, let me ask you this. We, we've talked a lot about and, and your whole brand and your whole mission, you're talking about uh, a lot of it is uh, boss in heels, right? Uh, helping women. Uh, what about the dudes? What about the guys? Because I think yeah, all of your content can apply, but is there anything specific? Yeah, that is a misnomer. So boss in heels is really for me, I grew up poor and all of the bosses were men in blue pantsuits, right? So there, it was kind of this foregone concept that I'm not going to be a boss. Well, I ended up being a boss and I was a boss in heels. And when I was young, there weren't bosses in heels. So my point is, it's not about me helping women. It's about me shining a light on, be a boss with purple hair and flip-flops. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a boss no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter your gender. That's irrelevant. That's society telling you the way things should be. And it's on you to say, I'm going to raise my hand and do it anyways. Fair enough. I love it. And I figured as much. I just wanted to hear you say it. Um, you know, you're a big fan of music, specifically um, that I've seen. You're a big fan of rap music. I am too. Um, is that just based on how you grew up? Is that just all of a sudden? I'm sure you like other genres as well, but can you uh, talk to us about that? Because I know music has played a huge role in, uh, in your confidence creation. Yeah. I mean, I just remember as a kid, right, listening to Public Enemy and I have always, all, Puff Daddy, and I grew up on rap and hip hop and that's never left me, even though I'm a 46 year old woman, which is so crazy. And luckily my son loves it too now. So we listen to the same kind of music, but yeah, I, um, that's just never left me. I, I go to every spin class at the hip, you know, hip hop or rap class. I, that's just my thing. And music for me, I know that music impacts different people in different ways, but for me, it's, it definitely can take me to a visualization place, to an emotional place. And it really, it helps me in so many ways change my mindset or, or change, you know, the mood that I'm in just by putting on a song that I really love. And um, I leverage music. I put it to work for me. So you, we talk about music. What about um, TV and movies? Is there, are there any specific TV shows or movies, uh, classic movies that, that really put you in the zone uh, in the same or equal way that, that, uh, that music has? I guess not as much. I'm so sick of movies from COVID, right? I'm so sick of being inside and TV. I'm so over it. However, I mean, there, there are so many inspirational movies out there and I, I'm a, an inspirational movie person. I always want to see anything that has a beautiful story, you know, and a, a great ending of some, you know, the underdog coming out on top. I love all of those types of things, but I'm definitely trying to just be out of the house and be in real life these days. I can totally get that. I love the outro to your podcast, uh, the Ferris Bueller clip. Um, speaking of movie, uh, movies, where it says, uh, stop and look around once in a while, uh, otherwise you could miss it. Um, to me, uh, you know, that's a big time uh, comedy movie, but I love the end of that when, they, uh, when he talks about it. Yeah, that's a great movie. 
Um, so our good friend, uh, Scott McGregor, I was talking to him the other day and, um, we were literally just talking about loyalty. And I said, Hey, Scott, who's one of the most loyal people, you know, and I kid you not, he literally said first word out of his mouth, Heather Monahan. And I mind you, I want you to know this, right? Cause he helped me, um, meet you and, and have you so uh, nicely come on the show. And I appreciate both of you, but I didn't tell him that you were on the show. I was going to surprise him. Like I didn't say a word and he literally just said that randomly. So why do you think he said that in general? And why do you think I bet more people would say that as well, that, that you're fiercely loyal and that's a great thing. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm a Leo. That's my sun sign or my astrology sign. Right. And I think that's part of like the core is loyalty. I am a loyal ride or die. I mean, it's, crazy how I don't know I've been that way my whole entire life if I love someone and have a connection with someone you know someone like Scott who you mentioned he's such an incredible friend he's such a loyal friend to me and once I see that in somebody I I don't have the ability not to you know double down and be the exact same way um and it's it's crazy but yeah I would say that that is true but he's equally as loyal. So I, I love to have people that are the same, you know, that I know have my back and that know that I have theirs. I love that the ride or die. Uh, I, I, I totally get it. And I'm, I'm also loyal. And, and my wife says I'm, I'm oftentimes loyal to a fault. Sometimes, you know, maybe we could talk about that for a second, but sometimes loyalty um, bites you in the ass, to be honest with you, where you're so loyal and you want to think the best of somebody and you can't believe, you know, maybe you were just wronged in some way. Has that ever um, crept into your mind? Has that ever happened to you? Well, the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that was my situation in corporate America. Here's what I've learned. I was loyal to an industry, I was loyal to a company, and I was loyal to a person over being loyal to myself. What I've learned now as a result of that is be loyal to yourself first and foremost over everything. Because here's the thing, industries can change and evolve, companies can be bought and sold, and people can turn on you, it can't happen. But when you put yourself first and listen to your intuition over everything else, you'll make better choices, keep that loyalty to yourself for sure. No doubt. No doubt. You working on your next TED talk? You know, I'm not. I almost gave one a couple of months ago. I was asked at the last minute and it was going to be virtual. And then I just thought, you know what? I'm so proud of the one that I have out there right now. I don't want to diminish that by doing sort of a smaller one, right? Because I had this amazing stage, this incredible venue. I'd rather wait until, you know, my hope is, is that I, my TEDx talk was promoted to TED. I don't even know how that happens. I'm just grateful it did. My goal would be that I get invited to an actual TED event to give a talk there that I, I'm hopeful that that happens and that I get to take a major TED stage. Oh, man, I'm sure it would happen. Look, I'd wish you good luck on that. But rock stars like us don't need luck. We make our own, right? I'll take um, the luck anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Uh, we make it, though. We absolutely do. It's one thing that I believe in. So listen, um, how can folks uh, reach you? Uh, I know they can just Google your name and you're going to pop up. But is there a specific place folks can reach you if they want to learn about your coaching, your courses? Um, we obviously know we can get Confidence Creator on Amazon and your new book, Overcome Your Villains, due out Tuesday, November 9th, is going to be available everywhere, not just Amazon, everywhere books are sold. Uh, but what if they just wanted to ask you a question or give you a shout out or chat for a second. Okay, I'm at Heather Monahan on every social media in the world. You're more than welcome to send me a DM. If you want to get my free bonus bundle, pre-order now at overcomeyourvillains.com. And you can always catch my podcast, Creating Confidence, 
anywhere you, where you get your podcasts. What's your favorite social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter? Where, where do you personally spend the most time? LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and LinkedIn, where business gets done. It's where I met you. It's where I first heard about you. It's where I heard about Heather. I read about her. I was started following her. Um, she's got 5 million connections. I can't even be connected first degree. I just have to follow her. Um, and, uh, and then it was just a sheer coincidence. I met Scott McGregor. He happened to be good friends with you. And I tell you what, talk about serendipity. It's perfect for me. I love it. <laughs> it's all worked out well in the end for us. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, for those of you that are uh, that are not already connected to or following uh, Heather on social media at Heather Monahan, um, go to overcomeyourvillains.com. Make sure you pre-order the book. It's going to be out November 9th is a Tuesday. I think all big books are always released on a Tuesday is what I've noticed. Um, so uh, Heather, it's been fun. I appreciate you, Rockstar. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, please share them with me. If uh, if you haven't not yet already given Heather's podcast five stars and a short little review, do the same for me would be incredible for both of us. It would totally rock. And look, I just show up and ask the questions and try my best to have some fun for everybody behind the scenes at the Rockstars Rockin' Podcast. I'm Eric Silverman. That is Rockstar Heather Monahan, And this has been another incredible episode. Thank you so much for uh, listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Rockstars Rocking Podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. Five stars would totally rock. Until next time, Rockstars, keep rocking.